With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood for BF Goodrich Tyres. Escape with BF Goodrich Tyres and Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tyres. What are you building for? And for Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. It is Real Adventures this morning with Aaron Hapgood and Patrick Dangerfield taking you for a bit of a fish this morning. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Real Adventures show. Now, Redmond, off the back of last week's show, you caught some phenomenal tuna. Yep. Um, 250 kilos worth in the boat. Nearly that, yes. You're going to fill us in a little bit later on what it's like to drive with an extra couple of hundred kilos of tuna in your boat and how important it is um, when you're driving in good size swell um, just to keep things safe. But we've got a massive show of Real Adventures this morning. We've got yep. Lee Rayner coming on board. He's been up to Evan's Heads, caught some cracking snapper, and he's also going to give us a bit of a report on the yellowfin tuna that have been working their way up and down the eastern seaboard. It's got you excited, Redmond. Oh, the yellowfin tuna, we have not seen these numbers in 20 years, Pat. We have not seen them, but I'm going to take us back to... We didn't talk too much about it last week. We are a bit of a struck for time, and I'm going to take you through a bit of the bluefin tuna... Uh, why I went down there, how how we approached uh, um, the area we we're going to fish, and like basically from top to bottom what we're going to do with the fish as well. Because I'm sick of people having their say on social media without knowing what we're actually why we keep these fish. Now, long story short, is I headed down to Portland. It was a last minute decision to head down, and the reason- had a little gap of uh, weather. Well, you, you the funny you say that we did have a bit of a gap in weather, but it was the weather that I went down there, Pat. We find with these big southern bluefin tuna that the northerly wind really can fire them up. But the main thing that I really watched was the moons. Now, you know that I always talk about moons. The new moon was on Thursday, three days ago, I think it was. Now, I fished last Thursday, the week before. They say the four to five days leading up to the moon is your best time to, to fish. Give it a crack, yep. I think it's the worst. I really do for every single species. When we approach a moon, what happens is Tides slow down and you have no flow. And it comes down to the terms, a dodge tide. And that's what a lot of people you'll hear talk about when chasing any sort of species of fish. Now, I I looked at these tides and I was going to go, I was going to go down the week after. Look, the weather looked better. Honestly, it did. But I looked at the tides and there was just no flow in them. There was nothing. There was two tides in a day instead of four. And the, there was no change in it. Like, I'm talking zero, like, it was... The, the rise between the rise and the um, and the the, low, the high and the low was matter of under under a meter, which is not very much. And I like flow. Flow, flow creates um, a feeding frenzy, and you can sort of pinpoint when the fish are going to feed. Now I looked at that and I saw that the Friday was getting worse. Saturday extremely bad. 
Then Thursday, we had that northerly wind after. Now, it had been west-southwest. And what happens is that's real rough in the Southern Ocean. It was quite big swell. And it stirred the ocean up. And I saw the north, 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 northwesterly wind off Portland, which is offshore wind. Yep. I'm not far from land, Pat. It's rough, but I'm not far from land, so it actually isn't too bad. And the swell was up around that four to five meters, which, man, swells nothing if there's not too much chop rolling with it. So I headed down there, and I got out there. It was actually quite nice early. It was really nice. And how's this, Pat? Not even joking now. We pull up, and I... Oh, sorry, I'll start again. I'll go back a little bit. I looked at rip charts. And if you look on rip charts, out from Bridgewater, there was this massive cold patch of water of 12-degree water. It was just sitting off Bridgewater. It was as good as you could um, as good as good you could have asked for. And that sort of gave me the spot, the target spot where I wanted to go find these so you're getting you're getting that live, obviously. Yeah, I'm getting it straight off the app. I think it's 200 bucks a year, and I talk about it nearly every second post. And I'm just going to show you the photo here, Pat, so you know what I'm talking about. See that blue patch there? Yep. So long story short, that was the patch that I picked out. I'm like, I'm going there. Made my way down there, and all of a sudden, the distance, I see these birds working across the... Like, traveling with me, and they kept going, so I kept following the birds down. Then all of a sudden, the they started falling out of the sky, and I've gone, beauty, we're on. But this was at Nelson. It wasn't quite Bridgewater. And I looked at the birds, and I didn't like the, what was in the water. And most people would have stopped on that. And by the time I looked back, it had already gone. So if I had wasted 20 minutes and put the lures out and worked it, I wouldn't have caught a fish. It was nothing there. I pushed down. I pulled up on these fish. Within three minutes of having the lures out of the best life I could possibly see, whales, dolphins, birds, within three minutes, we hooked up. Barrel bluefin tuna, 130 kilo this tuna went for. We landed it in an hour and 40 minutes. We, got, we spent about an hour getting photos just because it was quite rough out there because we got towed out wide. So it was quite rough. So we got some really good photos. We, we wanted to enjoy the moment. Went back over. Two hours later, we hook up to another one. We think Squidly cut it off with a knife while we weren't looking, but the line snapped. Squidly. But we got... The, anyway, so we pushed around to... Um, we, we, we lost that fish and the tide change was coming up at 3.30. I said, if we haven't got a fish by 3.30, we'll go in. Three o'clock comes along. I was 200 metres from where I hooked the first fish and the second fish. Next thing I know... I look, birds diving, and how, how's this, Pat? I was driving toward, through this bait ball. I was doing a curve around. I could see whales going through it. And I've tried to pull my lures through this bait ball perfectly. And then old Wally jumps up out in front of me, doesn't he? About 10 metres in the air. Wally, Wally the whale just goes out of the water, right? Not even 10 metres from me. Like, I cop spray on the boat. <laughs> and I've knocked the boat out of gear and turned the light like, and left. And as I knocked out of gear just to stop my speed, I, the lures weren't even moving. All of a sudden, I hear, Roger screams off. I wasn't even moving. It was just me dodging a whale. So I hooked up without even... So they were travelling together? Yeah, they migrate together. It's yep. four years ago. Pat, every bluefin tuna was with a whale. Yep. So this this was as good as you could see it. Seals, dolphins, whales in a tight ball. I said to the boys, guarantee you hook up here. We passed through one pass on. Three hours and 15 minutes later, three o'clock to 6.15, we fought this fish for, pitch dark. And I'll talk about it in the show in Red's tip. Make sure you're tuning in because I'm going to cover night driving. We drove all the way back in the stapie from 30, 40 k's in five meter, four or five meters swell in the dark with an extra 240 kilo of fish plus blood on the deck. Driving back, it was a long trip back. Are you tying the fish down just in case? Yeah, we, so I actually tied them um, from actually off my off the um, the actual uh, what do you call it, hard top yep. at the front of the fish, so through its mouth and gill, and then the tail at the back. I wanted the weight. The reason I went the head first is because I wanted the weight up the boat a bit. I didn't want it all at the up um, the other end of the boat. Yep. So both fish, same thing. Um, tied them up, 
uh, put the S, uh, uh, drop the cool box straight in the middle in between the fish. So if they did try to slide, it was going to hit the uh, hit the cool box. So that was, um, yeah, that, that it worked well. But we travelled back. I sat on twenty knots all the way back, and with the fish. We cleaned the fish that night. It was 9 o'clock by the time we got done. We got KFC. Didn't even have a beer. I had, I, the boys had two cruises on the way back in because that's what Bobby drinks. Healthy eating for you. Well, nothing was open. We wanted a pizza. Bloody Portland. But we wanted a pizza. But anyway, so but how's this though? On social media, and people are going to still have a go at me now, why do you need to kill two such big fish? I've let go four barrels this year. Yeah? Four I've let go. Yes, and I've yeah. kept two. Because I keep what I need. Bobby's never caught a barrel before, and he goes, mate, the boys at work, family want these fish, wants to eat some fish. I'll treat you. Yeah, perfect. Keep it. Squidley's family, crunch it. They smoke nearly the whole fish. I, your cats players, crunch it. They're not getting any this time because I ran out. But at home, I've been canning my tuna as well. It's a lot of meat. I have one chunk left. So this is all gone fresh. I have one chunk, probably two football sizes left of this fish and that's all I have left. Not one bit has gone to burley, not one bit has gone to bait and not one bit has gone to waste. I didn't fish the Friday because I didn't want to kill another one. It was nothing about trying to, uh, it's great, it would have been awesome to go out there and catch one and release it. It's a lot of effort to do that. Yep. But I didn't want to go kill another one or hurt another one. So I went home with a good reward and hopefully good karma that we didn't fish the Friday. So for those out there that are saying that a little bit of an early gaff here, Pat, is... You're getting a bit defensive, I feel. I'm sticking up for myself there. Is that fair enough? No, I don't think so. It's, it's, imagine how old that fish is. You've just killed it and you haven't even eaten it. <laughs> Redmond, um, one of our great mates of the show, uh, Jeremy Cameron, current Coleman medal uh, leader. Um, he's got a new Instagram account. He's the outdoor... Um, it's athlete. The outdoor athlete, yep. He had uh, he was on the Sunday footy show on the weekend, and you thought it was rather humorous with uh, some of his interviewing skills, didn't you? Yes, it was great. And you know what we're going to do? I'm going to even get Brooksy, our producer, to play it for you. Have a listen. Jeremy, good to catch up with you, mate. All the best for the rest of the season. And uh, did I see somewhere through the week that you were feeding whales? Yes. That's right. I um, try to get out on the boat every now and then, and um, obviously this time of year the whales are migrating up north, so... I just drift past and, you know, feed out a bit of bread and, and they come right up to the boat and um, happy days. Pretty good for the Instagram. Taken, surely not. Yeah. Surely not. TJ's oh, lost it. Remember? Should have thanked TJ. Thanks, Jezza. Good on you, mate. Thank you very much for your time today. Sunday footy show, Jezza. Good luck. Tony, he's taking the mickey out of you. The second one is taking the mickey out of you to feed him whales. Seriously. He loves to fish and he loves to feed the whales. Have you ever fed uh, a whale bread, Redmond? Well, the other day, the whale made me drop my, some, some brown stuff in my jocks when it jumped out and nearly landed on the boat, but it was... Uh, Just taking the uh, taking the mickey there, uh, Jezza, surely. Uh, he, uh, I, the whale's migrating. I'll tell you one thing. There, as you, don't, you don't respect enough of how cool these creatures are. And I'm talking to you about them now. Every time I go out fishing, I am in awe of of these whales. They're just awesome creatures to see. And when they jump out of the water, do you know how big the splash is like out of it? Like it's incredible to watch them. But I was lucky enough during the week, I actually saw them in the Port Phillip Bay heads while I was fishing the whiting. Now, if you are um, wanting to go see these, uh, see the whales, the Sea Road Ferries, how cool is this? Sea Road Ferries, which goes from Queenscliff to Sorrento, Pat, it was traveling across and the whales were in the heads as well this day. And they actually detoured the ferry 
over to the whales itself and got the uh, the customers, paying customers to see these whales, probably once in a lifetime for 80% of them. Absolutely. And, and they got to see them. But while I'm on topic there, the whiting down the bottom end of the bay are fishing terrific as well. The snapper continued to keep going in South Australia too, Pat. South Australia's snapper fishing, oh, it's, which, it's better than what it was in prime season. Which is what we'd spoken a huge amount about how poor it had been, but it's fishing incredibly well at the moment, which is... Really good. And it's, it's fantastic to see. But you know what also fantastic to see is I'm hoping that... Is this a sign that they're going to come to Port Phillip Bay this year too? Well, the snapper fishery in Port Phillip Bay has always been pretty consistent. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. But it hasn't been as good as the past, say, four or five years ago. It was unbelievable. Now it is quite... It's still great. I think it's been fantastic. But why has the snapper fishery fight up for South Oz this end of the year? And is it going to? Are they going to come down and push down to the bay in the next um, so-called three months? I would say, because offshore fishing bow and heads right now. I had a drift for the snapper on Wednesday during the week, and do you know how many snapper? We're going to have Chris Vasileski on a bit later on. He'll touch base on it a bit, but the snapper fishing out off bow they're not, and heads. They're is not incredible. Mass, they're not massive fish, but they're um, still. Now we got them between up to four kilo. Yeah. So, but I was drifting. I didn't even anchor to try for them, but we. Um, what, do you know what happened to me out during the week fishing for gummies? Have you ever had this happen? And if you have had it happen, I want to know where you've had it happen because it's, it's, it's the second time it's happened to me. I was gummy fishing in 18 meters of water. I had two seals around the boat. And I said to, I said to the boys, don't go catching any fish off the bottom. So bait fish, as in slimy mackerel, cooter, and the wrasse and pinkies we catch and we use. Yep. Don't catch them because what happens is if we start catching them. They won't leave us they alone. They won't leave, yep. Well, fine. They, you know, what they said to us was, stuff you guys. I'm swimming down to the bottom. I'm going to eat your whole salmon chunks off the bottom. So every bait we put down... He caught a seal. I, I'm sitting there. No, they wouldn't get hooked. They just... every. I swear to you, four baits I had out, every time I threw one in the water... All of a sudden, I'd hear drag popping out, and the seal would be on the surface, throwing my salmon chunk around and chasing it. It's not funny, Pat. It's not even the slightest bit of funniness. It's uh, not good. We've got a massive show of Real Adventures coming up this morning. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Real Adventure Show. Chris Vasileski, Jim Credlin in the whip around. Lee Rayner joining us a little later to talk about Evan's head. All this and more coming up for Real Adventures. For BF Goodrich Tyres, what are you building for? And for Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. It's time for All Aboard, thanks to Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Whether you're on the road or out at sea, Dometic has you covered. Our special guest this morning is none other than Lee Rayner, host of Fishing Edge. Good morning, Leroy. Good morning, boys. How are you going today? We're going not too bad, but not as good as you were in the past couple of weeks. You ventured, or I'm going to say down to, but up to Evans Head, I'm pretty <laughs> up sure, up there, above Sydney up there, and just south yeah. of Byron Bay. A little bit of an exciting yeah, trip. Like, it's, um, I, didn't, I, I knew it was a long way up the coast when I started driving, but I didn't realise how far it actually was till. In the end, the, the road sign said like 52 kilometres to Byron Bay and like 200 <laughs> <at> Brisbane. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, Did rates come but, up with but, you because you could have taken the kids up to Byron? <laughs> um, got no mates and would never suggest myself to have a kid in the car. So, fair call. Uh, yeah, so actually, no, I did it on my own. I picked up a mate in Wollongong. And then from there, um, yeah, we got picked up my cameraman from the airport in Sydney, and then from there we went went up to Byron, uh, to, to Evans. And if you haven't been there, guys, 
what a place. Like, if I could describe it um, to Victorians, probably along the lines of a Bermagui, just a you know small little seaside sort of town, and the fishing there is off tap. The, the options you've got up in that part of the world are just what makes those places so good. So um, we got some great stuff on film. Not not lots and lots of fish, but the quality of the fish at this time of year. We did not fish bait for the whole week. We just fished lures, and we caught mulloway, big kingfish, and the snapper fishing, Aaron, let me tell you, it leaves your knees shaking when you just get towed up by a snapper on 20-pound braid and you just did not even look like landing. It's just something else. Lee, I actually thought, uh, given your last post on Instagram, that Aaron had actually gone up with you. The, <laughs> the fish did look so. very, very similar, that beautiful big snapper, but I thought it looked a lot like yeah. you, Aaron. Is it the big knob on his head that gives it away? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, most most of the comments that came when I put that photo up was, wow, that thing's got a nose nearly as big as yours, um, and stuff like that. So, But there, there are different class of fish. Have you guys ever caught those North Coast snapper? No, I, not I haven't at all. looks like that, no. Yeah, they're, they're, just a, they're a completely different strain of snapper, obviously, to what we get here. And do they fight? Like, the bite on those things, the rod, there is no knocking, banging, tapping, whatever. Like, the rod literally just cracks over, and those things are just ripping line, and you're going, nah, can't be a snapper, can't be a snapper, and they just fight all the way to the boat. Like they're, And they do bust you off. Like, you're not fishing necessarily hard ground, but if they get anywhere near a ledge or a bit of reef, they literally just smash you up into the bottom, and you're just going, what the hell was all that about? So they're, they're heaps of fun to catch, guys. In terms of their, their edibility, I suppose, Leroy, um, yep. I've always found the northern kingfish are not quite as nice a tasting yep. as the southern kingfish. Um, in terms of the snapper, is there a similar thing with the trait of their flesh? Uh, I think it is. The boys definitely say the small ones up there are better eating. Uh, we didn't keep any to, to eat, but the boys say definitely. And you're 100% right about the kingfish, Pat. Like the boys, we went out and got kings sort of like 12 kilos and stuff like that. And the boys just go, mate, we don't even eat them because they're just not not good eating in that part of the world. And I think it's definitely due to that water being warm. Like the water was 22 and a half degrees up there in, you know, the middle of July. So yeah, it's crazy. it just sort of has a different effect, I suppose, on, on the fish's edibility. But, you know what, in that part of the world too, when you're looking for food, you go and catch pearl perch. There's mulloway, there's, there's mackerel, there's all that sort of stuff. So you're not really worrying about, I suppose, a feed of snapper. Uh, this is going to go down your alleyway a bit here, Pat, but uh, traditionally Portfolio Bay is an area where bait fishing is the more dominant, uh, successful way to catch uh, bags of snapper. The further you yep. push up north and Lee, we often talk about this all the time, even just even on the east coast of Victoria down Gippsland Way, uh, you start to get more fish on micro jigs and along the likes, uh, plastics, where New South Wales and higher, does it... Is it very good on the hard bodies and stuff up there as well? Oh, it is, mate. It really is. And it, but it's still a lot of guys drift there and fish with bait too. Like, don't get me wrong. And, and probably the way they fish with bait, they're the successful guys, is you anchor up, you burly, and you fish a floating bait. Like you and I do, Aaron, when we go, oh, sure, I always like to fish that, that floating bait out the back, yep. just stripping it back. Um, and up there, that's a very successful way. But the way we were fishing for these reds is so much fun, man. We've got to go and do it locally next time you and I are out. We were just drifting along the edge of the reefs, not so much up on the high ground, on that rubble edge that we always try and fish anyway. And yep. we were fishing three rods, and you're casting at 45 degrees, and you cast one out, and then you just wait a minute or so, and you cast the next one out at 45 degrees, and the next one. And as those plastics, we were fishing 30 metres of water with a quarter-ounce jig head, 
and a six-inch plastic, right? They're just sinking down through the water column like a floating bait. Once they sort of get, you know, horizontal to you, as they start to lift again, you wind that one in, you cast it out, and you do the same thing again. And it was deadly effective, man. Absolutely deadly effective at catching the big snapper. Obviously, you've had a good couple of weeks or good week there, Lee. The best time yep. of the year to visit Evans Heads, is it around this time of the year? Obviously, for, for southern states, it's a great time because it's bloody yep. freezing in Victoria and you can head up north and catch some great fish. But um, in terms of the seasons, when's a good time to, to hit Evans Heads? Oh, I think in that part of the world, it's always a good time. But, but this winter sort of period, um, you know, boys say June, July, August, you, you know, there's still big mackerel there. There's your snapper, your kings, there's the great bottom fish like your pearl perch and all that. So, yeah, but then as your warmer months roll by, like the boys are telling me the stories about cobia just cruising along all these reefs and just surface, like surface feeding cobia and mackerel and all this. And I'm just like, don't don't tell me this stuff, guys. Like, there's just so much <laughs> going on there. But, um, yeah, such a good part of the world. And the thing is, too, you've got other options. You've got walleye, you've got a looter, you've got yamba, you've got byron. So you can always move up and down the coast. Like, if you an hour and a half in each direction there's multiple ports that you can fish out of and the estuaries and even the estuary there at Evans Head is known for for big flathead that had a big tournament there the week before and I think the best flathead caught there was like 98 centimetres or something ridiculous Mm. like that sounds like an ordinary ordinary spot yeah terrible terrible spot (laughs) mate like I said, it's funny, I said to the boys in the car on the way home, because my mate Sam, who I fished with up there, he's fished it a lot, okay, and I actually said, I go, if myself or someone like Aaron had good move there, we would literally go into a tailspin for about six months because we would not know which way to go and what to do because you'd be wanting to catch kingfish, snapper, tuna, flathead, mackerel, cobia, and do everything all at once because there's well, so many options. Lee, you and I both love the marlin fishing. We love it both. Yes. Of the pa- it's one of our biggest passions. How far yep. is the marlin fishing away from the area? Is it a good marlin fishery? Um, you're not going to like this, Aaron. So all the, all the fishing we da- did was in a 15-kilometre radius of the coast, right? And the, at, at the furthest most point we fished out for, say, kingfish was about 10 kilometres and 12 <laughs> kilometres out. And the boys said... They go, <laughs> happens all the time in winter. You'll be fishing for kings on the reef out here, and all the time you just see a striped marlin swim past the boat. Sounds <laughs> you just go, oh, yeah. yeah, good. Thanks, fellas. Thanks very much. So, um, yeah, great well, marlin grounds, blue marlin, striped marlin, black marlin, all that. All those fish come down the coast past those parts of the world to get to us at the south coast. So, yeah, that's how it works. Uh, Lee, let's head back to Victoria quickly. Um, game fishing yep. fever, your store. We've seen great catches of, of tuna of Portland uh, recently. Um, only because well, I sent you some photos. <laughs> <laughs> the shop's still being busy yeah. with people chasing those elusive tuna. It, oh, it certainly has, boys. But I tell you what is heartbreaking. Um, and I don't know if Victorians are totally aware of it yet, but this yellowfin tuna bite up the coast is the best guys are saying they've seen for over 20 years. Like, there is lots and lots of big yellowfin tuna up in New South Wales and the bite is actually at the moment sort of off Aladulla. Um like Mike Benici got 14 fish on Sunday and he got nine casting stick baits that were two of them were 52 and 71 kilos so there's all this stuff going on there we've got big bluefin down here it's you know it's a it's a hard thing to to sort of decide where to go and what to do but um, I think whatever you do you just got to do like Aaron does you you make a plan you make a good decision 
and you stick to it and you be persistent. And if you do that, you're going to catch those sorts of trophy fish like those bluefin that Aaron got this week. Well, to make a plan with these yellowfin, Lee, there's a, they're, like you said, it's been 20-odd years since we've seen numbers like this. Yep. And you were, you were just shy of actually going out for a day's fishing on them. But... How do you make a plan? Is it? Are we looking? At, I always talk about rip charts and the currents in the oceans. Yep. What are we actually looking for for these for yellowfin rather than the bluefin? On the yellowfin, they are very current dependent, um, or they'll be on the edge of a current. We've got a bit of a temperature break. Um, like the boys are saying, sort of twenty point two to twenty point five degree waters where they're finding them. Close by, there's about sort of a you know to nineteen degree drop. Those fish are on that that leading edge. There's lots of bait on that leading edge, being sourish and flying fish, and that's what these tuna are feeding on. Um, so you want to try and find that on the rip charts. But then I suppose the other thing you want to do is try and find that little weather window where you can get a couple of days shot at them because these fish, they're like the bluefin here. They're not easy to catch. You'll see them jumping around, yep. but that doesn't mean you're going to get a bite. And they've done exactly what our fish do here, Aaron. They fed very, very hard Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then yesterday and today, the fish are really quiet. So if you yep. you know if you go on that little short window, you may miss that bite window. So if you can give yourself a couple of days, you're going to be far better off. Simple question: What pulls harder, a fifty kilo yellowfin or a fifty kilo bluefin lead? Because I've never caught a big yellowfin. I've only caught yellowfin. them up to twenty, thirty kilo. yellowfin. Yeah, hands yellowfin. down, hands down, hands down, hands down. Sixty kilo yellowfin will just tower you up. Like, they go. Um, even on the bite, you can tell the difference between a yellowfin bite on a lure and a, yellow, and a bluefin bite on a lure. The yellowfin are just screaming when they eat that lure. So, um, or, you know, when they eat a cube or whatever. But, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, our big bluefin are tough, but they're 100-kilo fish too. But but you get a 50-kilo yellowfin, they are very, very impressive animals. That's for sure. I know... Um, couple of my friends tom and chloe lawrence they had a fish on the other week that they had on for three and a half hours on 24 tom said it was about 80 plus kilos but yeah three and a half hours on 24 for that fish and they lost it at the boat well i had a fish on uh, last week that was three hours and 15 minutes was 100 and 105 kilos so it sort of explains yeah. it a bit on 24 kilos as well so explains it a bit yeah. there so there you go Patrick. yeah exactly exactly so anyway let's let's go fishing guys <laughs> well, we're looking forward to watching it when it does hit our screens on Fishing Edge. Lee Raynut, thanks for joining us on Real Adventures this morning. Anytime, boys. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Leroy. No, no dramas, man. Good luck. Have a good arvo, boys. Really appreciate it, Lee. Cheers. No problem. See you, boys. That was all aboard for Dometic Noble Living Made Easy. Now it's time for Red's Review for Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions for store locations. Visit thirstycamel.com.au. Now, Redmond, today we are talking about our project boat and a new sound. I'm so glad you've said this because I've had, I don't know why, but I spoke about the Staby during the week, the big Staby, yeah. and I had probably three, two, what are, I think it was three or four messages about uh, where the stabby, where the, where where it's at, and forget the stabby, where's the project boat at? And I thought, I don't even know where it's at. So thanks <laughs> for bringing this up. Well, it's been a cold winter. It's been challenging to get the little boat out because it is an open, uh, you know, four meter stasis. So it, it's a bit challenging at this time of the year. For those out of Victoria that's uh, not listening, it's really cold. <laughs> so it, it has been a little bit challenging to get the boat out, boat out. We have had it down to Decker trimming though, down at uh, yep. Geelong Marine World. So we've had a new canopy, uh, sorry, a new boat cover built for it. But our next move with the um, with the project boat Redmond is a new sounder combo upgrading. 
We are up. Well, it's not it's, anything's an upgrade because there's nothing on it currently. <laughs> um, so we're looking at a couple of different uh, models. We're looking at the Garmin uh, Eco Mac Eco Map Plus seventy five SV. We're looking at the sixty five CV. So there's about a five hundred buck yep. difference there. Um, but the one that I'm really quite keen on is the ninety five SV, the chart plotter. Um, which comes in black, and it's got the down view, it's got side scan. Well, I think it's really important for, for us, the fishing that we're going to do with that boat, is to have the other options as your downside, your imaging, your structure scan, your side scan, uh, purely because we, we're going to be targeting not so much the offshore fish. You've got the 1550 Staby. I've got the big Staby. Them boats, that's the job they're going to cover. Yep. Your bo- this boat, sorry, the project boat is purely for the shallow water. It's for looking down the sides for those for, the, for your trout or your brim or your estuary perch or whatever we're going to use this boat for. I think we're going to have to stay along the lines of a transducer of structure scan. Yep. So this is or a total n- scan, I should say. Yep. So this is a uh, this is a nine inch sounder. It comes with the transducer. Everything comes with it. So that's an important feature. Obviously, as you get bigger boats and you're looking at really big units, there's some that don't come with transducers and they're separate. Obviously, the smaller units, they're basically all in one setup. Yep. Whether you can just install them into the boat and away you go. And really, for anything in that sort of um, you know Western Port, Port Phillip Bay. Um, it's going to be bread and butter fishing. It's going to be more than than anything that we need. So, the eco map with chirp, um, it's about fifteen hundred bucks. Red, we're looking at for the nine inch. So, yep. it is a bit more expensive, but I think it's one of those ones that's it's worth spending the extra money on. You can go a smaller screen, and they start at about four ninety nine. But we're looking at the uh, the nine inch because I think as as well, a sixteen inch won't fit across the side of the boat. The one that's <laughs> no, but. Uh, but as you, I suppose we're fishing the open in yep. this boat a fair bit. Glare is is one thing that you sort of have to just is, be slightly mindful. Is of. it worth us looking at getting the glare protector? You can get for it. Look, it probably is simply because the boat. It's so such an open. open boat. Yeah, yeah. So in order to mount the boat against the the side of the hull, what we're going to do? We're going to get a rail blazer um, sound mount. So rail blazer, which is a New Zealand company, doing um, really big things in the marine space at the moment, and most of the really good. Um, you know, high quality rod holders and removable rod holders to get that you that you do get are going to be rail blazers. So they're the the universal ports that you screw in, and then you can change the top mount. So we can change, you know, where we'll where we'll um, where we'll set up our sounder, and we could turn that fundamentally into a into a rod holder. So um, that's next on the project boat, the uh, the Garmin ninety five for around fifteen hundred bucks. For more information, head to garmin.com.au. And that is Red's review, Redmond. That was Red's review, and this is Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tires. What are you building for? And for Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. It's time for the whip around for Big Four, Australia's favourite holiday parks. Yes, it is now time for the whip around for Big Four, Australia's favourite holiday parks. Your next summer break is waiting at bigfour.com.au. Explore and book today. And up first, uh, Patrick, is a fella that's in in between the Southern Ocean and Bass Strait. He's uh, a bit mad at the moment in a 15 to 20 knot southeasterly wind. Venturing back from Portland, Chris Vasileski, Vasileski, Vasileski from Gone Fishing Charters. Morning, Chris Morning, Chris How are you going, guys? Chris, you're on your way back, obviously, from Portland. Redmond, you were lucky enough to score a couple of cracking tuna last week. Yep. You're packing up for the winter, Chris. What's the next few weeks look like 
for you, obviously heading back into Port Phillip Bay and targeting those local species? To be honest, there'll be a holiday mode for me, but um, uh, we will do a couple of trips. I think we've got a couple more trips coming up just to finish off, uh, just chasing the gummies out front. So that'll be interesting and something I'm looking forward to because, you know, I love chasing those big gummies back at home. Well, Chris O loves the snow season, so he's going to head away and uh, chase the snow for about a month, uh, give or take. But when you get back, Chris O, it is prime squid season. We're going to start seeing the eggs being dropped around Queenscliff. You'll be starting to target them. Then, obviously, the snapper are going to start pushing down our coast from South Australia out into Bass Strait in big numbers. Yeah, so hopefully all that. From what I have heard, that they've still been hanging around outside um, out in the foul ground, there's been some good fish being caught. So I'm not sure if they've actually moved too far, Red. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. There's definitely, definitely a large amount of fish out there at the moment, Pat. But um, the numbers of snapper that come through our uh, Bass Strait region at the front of Barwon Heads pushing into that bay, it's, it's September, that prime time, isn't it, really, as that water temp starts to come up before the bay actually does, isn't it, Chriso? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, like I don't think too many people go looking this time of the year, but they are out there. But, yeah, definitely, like you said, September, October out the front for um, those larger snapper, definitely worth the crack. And then, like you said, the switch should start fire up inside so that will be all guns blazing after we get back. Chris, oh, before we let you go, you haven't seen anything interesting on your way back from Portland to Port Phillip Bay? Not, uh, I did see a couple of birds working probably in between, uh, oh, you could say maybe Warnable. And then I've seen a few birds working just outside a big reef at um, Apollo Bay. Well, just, just quickly, you, you left uh, Portland roughly around, um, I think you said 6 o'clock? Yeah, 6 a.m. this morning. And... To get to Apollo Bay, was it take you roughly six hours travelling? And you're, you're copping it out there at the moment. You can hear the waves crashing. It's pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. Look, it was meant to be a little bit calmer, but um, I think Jane Bunn got it wrong <laughs> last night, and it's a little bit blowy than uh, what I thought it was going to be. So ideally, like a perfect day. I think tomorrow's meant to be the day. I should have waited one more day, but it doesn't matter. It is what it is. Not everyone's perfect, Redmond, unlike you and I. Chris Vasilevsky from Gone Fishing Charters. Thanks for joining us this morning, Chris O. No drama. Thanks, Jim. Jim Credlin joins us from JC's Bait and Tackle in Swan Hill. Good morning, Jim. Good morning from the sunny Swan Hill, boys. <laughs> How has that weather been? <laughs> it's been pretty ordinary. Uh, we haven't sort of been getting a lot of reports because uh, the guys haven't been sort of getting out under the, under the river. And the local uh, boat ramp here has been closed for quite some number of weeks now. They're, they're expanding the size of it, making it a double double lane, so it's sort of stopped people getting on the on the river. But the guy from Mildura um, he sent me some photos uh, last week. He got a uh, one the one week before he got a 98 centimetre, which was a PV, and then he bet that on, uh, on last Tuesday he got a 116 centimetre. And then and, uh, until the hours later, we got 119. So he had virtually three PBs in, uh, within the two days fishing. And how were they targeting the fish? Uh, they were caught on, uh, on lures. This day were caught on a um, black and pink AC invader, the 120mm. Yep. So uh, 
yeah, we're pretty, we're pretty happy. But um, but the weather here's been pretty high. We've had uh, it's rose up to about uh, 2.4 metres. A bit of dirty water coming uh, coming down the Goulburn, which sort of uh, we did have nice clear water, but it's, start, it's on the drop now. Um, and I wouldn't let that put, uh, put people off. Just the river in the past couple of seasons has probably fished better on the drop than it has on the rise. Uh, it will start to clear up. Um, and you know, with the um, with the weather starting to get get on the improve, you're looking at about a 17, 16, 17, 18 degrees, and it'll start warming up as we get into August. So um, I'd uh, be sort of getting those uh, rods and uh, gear that you've had locked away, and then we'd have uh, a couple of other winter and get out and uh, have, a, have a crack. So what can we see in the month of August and um, for a couple of months after, obviously, when the water starts to really pick up in temperature? What are we going to see being caught um, consistently? Well, obviously, you can't target cod, of course, uh, after the end of August. Yeah. Um, so you, the, the yellow bait will, will come on and start coming on too as the water temperature um, uh, warms up. And in the lakes, too, when you start getting around September, October, uh, the the, you know, the red fin should start starting start to fire up um, when the willows start to flower. They reckon it's the time to uh, time to sort of uh, start targeting the targeting the red fin. But um, like you know, you will catch cod obviously during a close season. You just got to uh, put them back and don't be using uh, one one twenty or one seventy mil uh, lures to make get your targeting elderly. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you just. You just got to be a little bit, uh, yeah, bit, bit careful. Beautiful Perfect. work, Jim Credlin from JC's Bait and Tackle in Swan Hill. If you're passing through the Swan Hill region, make sure you stop by and give Jim Credlin a bit of a call or pop in and say good day. Thanks, Jim. No worries, fellas. That was the whip around for Big Four. Big Four, Australia's favourite holiday parks. Now it's time for the Social Club. Thanks to BF Goodrich Tyres. What are you building for now, Redmond? Kim Stacey has sent in a message. Boys, sea deck, deck armour, marine carpet or plate flooring, what are your recommendations? What do you use yourself? So, Redmond, obviously... Oh, um, cracking question. Sea deck and deck armour and anything that's sort of, I suppose, the upholstered version of um, the, the stick-on decking yep. has been really popular of late. It's a, it's a hardened foam, specifically. Um, marine carpet, probably is certainly seen now as a um, an older school sort of... That'd be the first thing I stayed away from. Yep, marine carpet. Yes, especially if you've got a glass boat. Yep. Um, Why a glass boat? Because water sits in the in the carpet and water and wood and glass don't work over time together. Yeah. It can cause can cause rotting if it goes into the, 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 the wood itself. Um, but also, not only that, is it is very hard to clean carpet in a boat to keep clean and dry. It can smell. Uh, if you catch a, like we did last week, Pat, 150 kilo, a 30 kilo bluefin tuna and the blood goes all through that carpet, to get that blood out of the carpet is very hard. I've just got um, plate aluminium flooring in my in my stabie and that there is super easy to clean. Deck wash comes out, hit it with the deck wash over the, um, over the top of the plate and it just washes down into the back. The bilge comes on and it's gone. It doesn't soak in the carpet. Now, um, your foam materials, I'll call it. Is that a fair enough statement? We call all those... Yeah, well, they're a hardened foam. Hardened foam, yeah. It, I think that's the go-to these days. More family-friendly, certainly. Very family-friendly. Checker plate flooring. It is. And checker plate flooring, 
I get very sore feet. I don't know why I got flat feet. I don't have to get told whatever it is. I'll get very sore feet. I really do in a boat. Um, the Boggs gum boots are terrific. They do. They don't quite cut it on your twenty fourth hour in a week on the marlin fission. You do still get sore feet. It does hurt. Because you want that cushioning. You do need the cushioning. And as a driver of a boat, you're standing there looking all the time. You're never not on your feet, Pat. You can get those cushion mats from your BCF anacondas that are about, or do you reckon they're four centimeters thick probably? Yeah. They do do work very, very well, but... It is pricey. The uh, I'm going to call it the foam flooring, all your sea deck and your yeah, armor. Gut. No doubt, it's it, it's pricey. It is pricey, yeah. but I, I think- can for my stab- sorry to cut you off. Yeah. I can for my stabby. It was about. Seven eight hundred bucks to do yep. it, oh, I think, and that's not a big deck space. No, it isn't. But I think it's well worth the dollars. I really, really do. They are easy to clean. It doesn't soak the blood up. It's super easy to clean. Not only does it also look great, maintenance free, basically. Oh, it is, right? mate. It is, and they don't rip easy at all. It's toughened. It doesn't rip whatsoever. But on your feet, as a as a fisherman like myself that fishes, I'm going to say as hardcore as anyone, it is something I think you need to have on a boat. Is for especially up the front half of the boat. If you're going to get the whole, if you're going to get the front half done, yeah, you get the whole deck done. But up the front, you want some sort of cushion under your feet, and I'd look after your your mates on the boat too and get the boat done. Bill Simmons, Aaron, I often hear you talk about the length of your rods. What difference does the length of a rod make to your fishing? Yeah, so that's a that is a good question. I was actually doing an order uh, this morning for new gear, and um, for my for my for casting, for example, you want to have a nice long strong rod though so um, for example if you're casting for a uh, a, a bluefin tuner a school bluefin tuner you're not going to have a 20 to 40 pound osprey that's six foot long you're probably going to have a nice um, extractor or something something really long up towards that nine foot range eight to nine foot where you're going to be able to get a nice long cast and then you're also going to have enough rod tip to work the lure itself so the cert it's not one one reason uh, to look at types uh, your length of rods is the type of fishing you're actually doing in itself. Another one, another reason for it is um, gummy fishing. For for me, gummy fishing, I'm catching 20 kilo plus gummies. I like to have a shorter rod. I like to have a nice six foot rod. Uh, the the osprey. I'll go back to the osprey. I want a 20 pound to 40 pound osprey, and it loads up in the rod holder. But not only that, when I'm fighting the gummy up and down at the boat, it's a short rod and it's got a nice bend under the boat. Where for the snapper as such, I like to have at the elevate with samurai elevate, which is a rod between 15 to 25 pound, but it's just over seven foot long, and I like having that tip out there. Not only is it to flick baits out as well, I can flick a pilly out nice and nice and far, but it's also I like having that soft tip to let the snapper actually load up where the gummies more or less need that shortened rod with the strong load up to hook the fish as well. Tom Stokes, are boat catchers worth the investment? All I'm going to answer this is yes, and if you don't have one, you're mad. It's certainly changed the way that um, that we've started to fish and launch and retrieve boats. It makes, makes it a huge amount easier. I did a video the other day, so I was filming um, for a little bit for Dumbia, and we had to, um, I haven't, I, we were selling the trailer for what it is, yep. so it was without the boat catch, and we had to launch, we had to launch and retrieve the boat without the boat catch, uh, just purely to show the trailer itself, and when I come up, it takes me about, I'm going to go by the time someone backs the trailer in, to me to have the boat on the trailer, it takes about 25 seconds for us to have the boat out of the water. With a boat catch, if you've got a decent reverse, you can have the boat out in 10 or 15 seconds, Pat, honestly. But something I recommend with the boat catch is, once the boat clicks in, always put your safety chain on. Because there's numerous types of catches out there. Um, 
some of them don't grab as good as others. And if you change the angle on some of them and you don't have your safety chain on, um, yeah, it's it, it, you can seriously cost yourself a nice insurance job down the ramp. Question for you, Patrick. Last one. Yep. Brett Skinning, Skinnington Morietti. G'day, guys. I have a question for the next episode. I'm currently looking at options for my new boat, electric anchor winch versus electric motor, Minn Kota or motor guide. With a similar cost, I'm unsure what's the best route to go. I mainly fish Port Phillip Bay, Western Port. Pat, how good have you found spot lock in high currents? Well, not only is there obviously Minn Kota and motor guide, Lawrence have just released and Garmin have just re- released new uh, trolling motors. For me... I don't think anything comes close to Minkart at the moment. It's just been around for so yep. long. It's got such a wonderful reputation. That's the reason that I, I went with one. Um, I've got an 80-pound thrust for my 15-footer. Probably could have gone 55, I reckon, upon reflection. Um, in terms of um, fishing in current in Redmond, we've yep. fished off the, the point of Aries, and it, the current it does get going. really flying. Um, no issue at all for a 15-foot well, boat. I'll give you an example. I, I borrowed one of the... the uh, Jake's boats from Geelong Marine World got last year, one of the signatures. Yep. I borrowed, uh, Jake asked me to test it out for him with the Minn Kota and the Tide, and I went out there and used it, and I was fishing the Port Phillip Bay heads on the squid just drifting through. When I found those squid eggs, lock, bang, and I sat on top of the squid while everyone was drifting past me, and it slowed my drift up, and I could, I could, I could also slow my drift down when others couldn't, when I still wanted to drift, not spot lock, but I could also use the motor to my advantage to slow my drift up like I was actually drifting at the start of the tide. So I think it's... Uh, anchor winches are great, but also I wouldn't be looking past those either. If, you, if you're really confident with your ability to use them, and they're not hard to use at all, um, versus... And it can be very difficult, Redmond, um, to really get your positioning right with an anchor winch. Spot lock will lock you in the exact position that you are in yep. as soon as you hit spot lock. So if you need a really specific position and you, you're not concerned or you are concerned with the swing that you get sometimes with... Oh, spot on what you just said there is I couldn't... You couldn't have said it better. When you snap a fish in Port Phillip Bay, there's nothing worse than swinging. And having a boat with a super cab, I swing. Yep. I don't have a encoder on it. I don't have anything on it. I use an anchor still winch. Yep. But... It will make a difference. It's, and that's the beauty of it. It'll make a big difference. Yep. Offshore fishing too. If you want to join in the conversation, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash show and on Twitter at realadventures underscore and of course on the old Graham Patrick. Don't forget about the Instagram. Are this, you disappointed the likes are gone? Nah, that doesn't worry me. Nah, I've got the 10,000 follow. I'm done. Retire happy now. <laughs> this is Real Adventures for BF Goodridge Tires. What are you building for? And for Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tyres. Escape with BF Goodrich Tyres and Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tyres. Escape with BF Goodrich Tyres and Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. It's time for Red's tip for New Age Caravans. Visit your New Age Caravan dealer today. Start your summer adventure with a New Age Caravan. New Age Caravans. .com.au. Redmond, take it away. Well, last week, we, I was fortunate enough to land that big fish of 105 kilo uh, at Portland. Now you did, you did two in a day. We did two in a day. You had a phenomenal day. Yeah, as good as you get, we lost one as well. Now, I was only probably, uh, I'm going to go one and a half kilometers from the land. Honestly, was. I was 
don't believe me, I'm going to post a photo on Real Adventures after this. I was probably one and a half kilometers from land. Are you kidding me? And you, I, know I haven't even showed you this photo yet, so no, while, I'm, uh, while I'm talking, I'm going to upload this, this, fo- this, show this, this photo. This is new to me. Here you go. There's a photo there, Patrick, for you. If you want to have a quick look, you can zoom in behind Bobby there. That's one on the fish. So we're one and a half k from shore. You know what? Maybe not even that. But no, the problem was... I don't reckon it was either. I was a long way out. Uh, down the coast, sorry. So I launched at Portland. Yep. I've got to come around um, the passages of snow, and it's through the, the rock there, uh, Lawrence Rocks. And then you come past Cape Grant, past Cape Nelson, into Bridgewater Bay, and then to Bridgewater. So you've done some serious I'm a fair few Ks down the land. Now, I'm talking overall close to 30, 40 Ks. I don't know exactly, but close to 30, 40 Ks. There's a few. Where this, where I hooked the fish was only a couple of Ks off, um, offshore, but then all of a sudden... Three hours went by into this fish. That big hot thing in the sky started to go down, and I had <laughs> no late, light. Late in the day, we had no light. It was it was well, it was pitch dark. Now, do you get nervous as you're you're catching a fish of having to bring it in late, um, especially in big swells, knowing you're going to have to come back in? You know what I was honestly worried about, and I'll say it to you right now: is I'd never driven that boat at night in a five meter sea with a fifteen to twenty knot wind, southerly wind on it. With a couple of hundred kilos. With a couple of hundred, uh, 250 kilo of extra weight in the boat. Now, I was not worried about the boat itself, but I'm like, hold on a minute. It's, I've, got to be, I've got to think here. And not often on a boat do I have to think because I do it every day. It's just like driving a car. For, it's, it's second nature to me now. Yeah. And I like having to think. I like the challenge. Uh, it's like crossing a bar. People go, oh, do you get nervous? I'm like, oh, no. It was actually my mind had to think. Like, I, I really enjoy it. It's something I really, really enjoy. And we think coming back, and I said to the boys, I said, it's got a, we've got a fair hike back, boys. We've got an hour trip back in. And I was driving back, and I had the... So when we pulled the fish in, the floodlights are going. Uh, pure, awesome lights I got on the boat. And uh, the first thing you do on a boat is when you're driving at night, is you want the lights off. Yep, absolutely. Be, to help you see. Glare on windscreen, glare off boat is your worst enemy of any lights. And sometimes even the nav lights reflecting off the water can be a bit of a pain in the eye. You know what? Especially after you've been in the boat all day. And no matter how good rain X is on a window, you're still going to get that crusty sea salt on the windscreen, which reflects. It just, it's a pain in the butt. Like it really is. And so I'm heading back and then Bobby goes, oh, let's turn the light on. And I've got a massive LED bar that covers nearly the whole top of my hard top. It's as good as the ones you get on your four-wheel drives. I can control the power of it. I've got a, no- I've got a little um, turning knob at the top above my no, head here. I've seen it. It, <laughs> it looks similar to the lights we've got at GMHBA Stadium. It <laughs> it's a massive. Real- well, that's the thing. But what you're saying there, it is as good as the GMHBA Stadium lights. But the problem is, at night, it just doesn't work. It does not work. In the middle of the ocean, you can't see a thing. You turn that light on. I've got stainless. I've got around the boat. I've got my boat, um, the actual front of the boat, and I've got the glare off the water. It is a killer. I can't see see anything the more lights you have on at night the harder it is to see it is really really bad to travel at night with lights on at night and i see this in port phillip bay people crossing the middle of the bay they got their big spotty on you're actually doing yourself not a favor yep where they do come in handy a disservice redmond what's that a, a, disservice. a disservice on your own self yep. but where it does come into handy is uh, a new place or somewhere you haven't been that has Markers. Yep. Now, what I mean by this, I was get coming into reflection. Into, yeah, it. you get reflection. Um, I was travelling down the Barwon River during the week, and um, I know that river back to front. And there's one light I know that hasn't got a. It's not lit up anymore. It's a red one just before the red and green markers towards the, the the southern end of the river. And I just didn't know where I was, and I had my chart down. I wasn't. I just flicked the light on. For, I had it off travelling through the river. I just flicked it on for about two seconds. Reflected. Bang! I know where it is. Yep. I knew roughly where it was. I could have left the lights on. Travel. 
but I still couldn't see as good as what I could without the lights on. So a little tip for yourself, if you are traveling at night, all lights off. You have to have your nav lights on and a driving light or whatever it is, but your actual vision lights, leave everything off. It is too hard to see. Even if you're at a boat ramp, lights off, lights off, because not only does it not help other people, yourself too, it's very hard to travel with lights on. That was Red's tip for New Age Caravans. It's time for the Flying Gaff for Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the perfect outdoor companions. And you've got a bone to pick this week, Redman. Oh, I'll take it then. I'll do this one. Well, you're the one that brought it up, but you've got a bone to pick with people and their fish IDs and maybe just leaving a little too late to to ID the fish. I understand that people don't know what all species are like I'm not not that I know what all species are but I'm going to go with I know what nearly all the species we catch out of our waterways I like to think that I should I fish every day but if you didn't know the species but if I didn't know what the species was I wouldn't have four of them on the pier out of with them blood coming out of them dead asking what's his fish ID I agree with you because you've just killed four fish wait they're highly endangered and they're protected (laughs) now they're dead there were four left. There's four left in the ocean, and you've killed all four. They were actually that was the breeding ground for them. No, but seriously, stop killing fish if you don't know what they are. It is plain simple technology these days, Pat. Fisheries Victoria, their appies, their, their new app, pictures yep. are fantastic. iTunes, Android, whatever you're on, jump onto their, um, jump on and download it because their pictures are perfect. You can flick through them and have a really good lick. Can a zoom look. in now with great detail as well. You know what? Another good thing. Week. Another good thing is is Facebook. There's that many fishing pages on, no matter what time of the day it is, I don't care if you're at midnight, you could post a photo up and you'd nearly have the answer within probably 15 seconds. Would you vouch for that? Yeah, I totally agree. So if you don't know what a fish is, quick photo, yes, the fish will stay... Oh, you know, I'm going to even stick up for you a little bit. The fish will stay... The one fish will stay alive on the pier for enough time to quickly get a photo up. I'm going to get in trouble for saying it, but I reckon it will. And get the photo up. If they don't get a response back, even put it in a bucket of water. Pretty simple. But stop killing fish that... Shouldn't be killed if you don't know what they are. If you've got a flying gaff for us, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Real Adventure Show. Make sure you send it in, and Aaron and I will send a gaff that way if we think it's uh, it's a worthwhile cause. That was like flying... leaving four fish on a pier. That was <laughs> the flying gaff for Thirsty Camel, Greater Northern, the Perfect Outdoor Companions. This has been Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tires. What are you building for? And for Thirsty Camel and Great Northern, the Perfect Outdoor Companions. We're going fishing. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.